Good morning. Um, I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the pastor here at Table Life Church. And it's so good to see so many smiling faces. I just, those kids just brought a smile to my face. Um, and those of you guys online too, um, I know you're smiling behind the camera as well. So we are just so grateful to have everybody here. And hopefully um, you've received a worship guide on your way into. And um, if you are a note-taking type, I know some people like to take notes. That way they can kind of remember what scripture said and that kind of thing. Um, feel free to do that. Um, also, feel free to be on your phone during the service, too. If you're a note taker that way, we go ahead and use that or take pictures, social media, that kind of thing. Uh, we are grateful for that. So how's everybody doing today? Yeah, A-OK? Yeah, Phillies won. We're happy about that. Penn State lost. You know, my UNC team also lost, too. But anyway, we don't have our... Uh, we don't gauge our feelings based on sports. We gauge on our Lord, and that's why we're here, right? Isn't that true? But anyway, we can kind of be up and down with that. So um, today we are starting a brand new series, kind of ties in with our kids just singing. It's called Like a Child, Like a Child, and that's what we're going to be talking about these next weeks um, through Thanksgiving until the Advent season. Um, and um, I want to start off our series and our message here today um, with a little bit of a nostalgic question. Can you guys go with me? A little nostalgia, reminiscing today. Um, and that question is thinking back, maybe it was a long, long, long time ago, what is something you miss from the days of your childhood? What's something that you miss? And what I want you to do is turn to somebody next to you and maybe share what, what is that, what is one thing that you miss from the days of your childhood. So I'll give you like, like 20 seconds here. So ready, set, go. Go ahead, share that. Okay, so, so what, what were, I'm curious, what were some responses to that? Just a couple of people just shout out. Kick the can. Kick the can. That's a cheap game, huh? All you need is a can, right? And you kick it down the sidewalk. You don't need any of these, like, you know, $50 toys and that whatnot. What was that? Giant family reunions. Giant family reunions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe from, yes, I know some people still, still do those kinds of things, too. Sheets dried on a clothesline, right? No smell like that. Fresh, fresh sheets. You have that memory from her childhood. Any, anything else? Mom's cooking. Good old cooking from mom. Maybe, any favorite dishes? No, just everything, right? All that, all that good stuff. Yeah. Oh, how about one more? Anything else? Brother's homemade bread and? Eat whatever you want. Amen to that, right? And you're like, skinny, skinny is a rail. And you're like, you're putting it away, you know? Um, so one of the things that, that came to mind for me was um, Saturday morning cartoons. I don't know if anybody was a Saturday morning cartoon watcher, you know, now everything's on demand, so you just like turn it like, I can watch stuff right now. But I remember um, I was for a while the only one in my household that woke up early and um, on a Saturday morning because I like to catch my favorite shows, especially like the Hanna-Barbera shows like Jetsons, the Gummy Bears. I don't know, like some, those of you that are like born, are like, what is that show? I need to look that up, right? Um, but there was this other show that... Um, I've never, like, saw again. It was called Mr. Bumpy. Anybody heard of Mr. Bumpy? Okay, he was like a claymation, like, animal or um, creature that li was, like, un lived underneath these kids' beds. 
And I love this show. I was like addicted to this show. Like I look forward to watching Mr. Bumpy every Saturday morning um, for several years, I guess, until they turned it off for whatever reason. Um, those are some of my favorites. Um, but, but, you know, thinking back to like the good old days of childhood or maybe not so good old days, you know, to be honest, um, in a lot of situations, but, um, but there, guaranteed there are probably some pieces, you know, that you can reminisce about or think about in that way. But, but you also probably remember this, that you were probably, when you were a kid, you couldn't wait to grow up. You couldn't wait to grow up. You know, you couldn't wait to grow up to do all the things that all the adults do that look like they're able to do whatever they want, right? Remember? Uh, to do the important work, you know, to do whatever you want, drive wherever you want, uh, you know, just to move on, to grow up. Um, and of course today, you know, we would all probably admit that we live in a culture that often accelerates growing up. Um, and, and maybe you were in a situation, maybe you were forced to grow up too. You know, in a certain family situations, maybe you had missed parts of your childhood because you had to take care of siblings or, or, or whatnot. Um, but, but, but sometimes when we, when we look so forward to, to growing up or accelerating that, um, by doing so, I think that we miss something that's really important along the way. And, and, and I think what we miss is how being a kid, and, and kids in general, can teach us something. They can teach us something, that, that childhood traits and desires um, are, are not just something to kind of tolerate and get through, but that they can actually point us to God. They can actually be holy things that point us to God. That, that looking at being a child um, is, is kind of thinking like, yes, we do need to grow up, but we also need to grow back. Growing up and growing back are parts of, of how we know and get to know God as well as who cre he created us to be. Um, and what's interesting is that Jesus addresses this. He addresses exactly this in Matthew chapter 18. It's, it's a very like interesting story here. Um, uh, what he's not addressing, he's not addressing bringing back Saturday morning cartoons and Mr. Bumpy um, or the memories that you just shared. But what he's pointing us back is, is he's pointing us to a period of childhood of, in our lives about how we can better look at ourselves and understand what we are looking for in life, um, who we're meant to be, and how childhood, being a child, can teach us lots of things about who God is. But what he says in Matthew chapter 18, we're going to read that in a couple minutes, um, is really in his response to his disciples asking him a very significant question. It's a response to a question, and, and, but first let me kind of set up the context to that question, that, that this passage comes in Scripture um, already as, as Jesus has told his disciples about his upcoming suffering and, and, and death on the cross, about what was going to take place in Jerusalem. Um, Jesus has already told uh, his disciples that following him, following him is not going to be all butterflies and rainbows. It's going to be really, really hard, and he calls them to take up their cross and follow. Uh, and, and it also takes place after a moment, maybe if you're brought up in church, you've heard of this before, the transfiguration. Jesus and his buddies, they go up to the top of this mountain and Jesus is transfigured into this, this, this white light that shines around him and shows him as the son of God. This, this takes place after all these things about Jesus. But what was really important, though, about what Jesus was teaching at the time was about how he was teaching about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God was drawing near, that God's work was not done yet, even though it looked like in the world around that it looked like God had forgotten, 
but that the kingdom of God was drawing near. And as he was describing these things, the disciples had a hard time understanding what that was. See, they had a hard time understanding because Jesus was describing a very, very different kind of kingdom than what they had pictured, than what they were expecting, than what they were used to. See, they were used to a sense of power and authority. Uh, They were used to a sense of the kingdom of God being like God would come in and basically blow up to smithereens all the people that he didn't like, that it would be a military prowess, that there would be conquering and taking place that it would be might for right, and that the good guys would finally win. But Jesus offers a very different picture of what that looks like. He offers a profound experience, a profound picture of what the kingdom of God is. And so he offers also a very profound response to the very question that they ask. So we're going to go to Matthew 18, verses 1 to 5, and and dive into this. especially the question that first comes to the surface here. So at that time, like I said, all this had happened before. He kind of revealed himself. He he had been transfigured. He told about what was going to happen. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Right? Who's going to get like number one seat right there, the top seat? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Jesus said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. That's the word of the Lord there. We're going to unpack that. To be like a child, he tells them. Whoa, different response than what they were thinking. There's no like, like blowing to smithereens in there or conquering people. He's, be like a child. It would have been a total shock factor for the disciples. For us, it's just kind of a confusing thing, right? But, uh, you know, today for many adults, you know, if we admit it, um, our thoughts of kids, uh, you know, are that sometimes, oh, they're just a nuisance. They're loud. They just do all crazy things. They disturb our organized world. That can be a kind of a negative thought that some people have of kids today. But we have to understand that in the ancient world, in the ancient world, it was even more so a dislike for kids. And not just a dislike, but, but that kids were not valued. Children were not valued. That children, they were denied their own identity, their future, their worth. Um, Basically, children were seen as half-human before puberty. They were seen as worthless, as disposable, as you can do whatever you want. And specifically, specifically girls, specifically specifically females. Um, And the reason for that was girls were expensive to bring up, and then you had to give them away. (laughs) You had to give them away. So, and, and honestly, starting at that time, you know, people disposed of baby girls, Today, certain places around the world dispose of baby girls because they're just unwanted and because those traditions kind of continue. They don't add anything to the family, right? And, and what's also significant is that in some language, languages, we have actually remnants of the thought of children as kind of being lowly or being disposable. We have remnants in some languages, including the Greek that this passage was written in. Um, some languages, the, the word for child is given, if you've ever studied like Spanish or German or French or whatever, you know that like words have like articles and that kind of thing. I'm not going to go into a language lesson here. But usually there's like a masculine, feminine, or neuter, like the child. The the has like a, like a connotation to it. Well, the word child is neither masculine nor feminine, 
but it's neuter. Basically, a child in these languages is an it. It's an it. Not a him or a her, but it's an it. It's an it. And, and it probably goes back to some of those reasoning about children not being valuable. So, so imagine, so let me just kind of like set the stage here. That, 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 that when a power play is going on among the disciples, you know, who's the greatest, Jesus Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be like your right-hand guy here? Who's going to do this? When the power play is going on, basically there's a surprise that's taking place that Jesus is putting in front of them. These guys, they knew the heroes of old. They had lists of them. Some of our scriptures have lists. They thought that military courage, success, conquering were common traits, but to get on the right track, Jesus goes and probably sees a little kid, right? Because little kids are like run around everywhere. And, and he probably went up and was like, hey, you. Come here, like, come here, come on. I need to borrow you for a quick minute. And I don't know what was, the little child was probably thinking, but Jesus is like, I need you for an object lesson. And here, come and sit with me. And, and so he uses that child to point to, to say, hey, the victory in God's kingdom looks like becoming a little child. It means being childlike. Bonkers, crazy, craziness. Disciples, probably their eyes would have been open wide to see what this, this, the it is basically, you're saying us to become like, like that? Jesus, that's, that's crazy. That's confusing. Like, like they're not even worth anything. So, so let's, let's dig into that. Though. What does this actually mean? What does it actually mean to be like a child? Um, you know, there's lots of things it, it could mean. But first, um, um, ever play the game of 20 questions? Ever play that game, maybe a long car ride? You know, and you're somebody like basically picks an object or something, and then you have 20 chances to ask questions about it. And then what are most of the answers to the questions? Nope, not, right? It helps sometimes to ask questions to define what something is not in order to get a picture of what something actually is. Well, that's what, that's what I want to do, is first look at what, this does, what it does not mean to be like a child, what does like a child not mean? Well, the first thing it does not mean is don't question. It doesn't mean don't question. See, the question that sparked was how do we become the greatest in your kingdom? What, what's, what's interesting is that Jesus was not offended at this question. You know, uh, Jesus was not offended. You know, you might think like, you know, Jesus may have been sitting there. Like, how can you ask that? Why, why would you want to be greatest? Like, he's probably like looking down at them. That's probably not the case. You know, sometimes we think of Jesus as being like, you should want to be last. You should want to lose the game. You should want to eat grape nuts for breakfast and never all the foods that you don't like, right? Like, that, that, that's not the case here. Um, you know, sometimes we think that Jesus has no love for competition or he doesn't have a sweet tooth or he just wants us to be unhappy all the time. Um, I, I love in, if you've ever watched the, the series The Chosen, um, you can stream it. I highly recommend it. Great picture of Jesus and, and scripture. There's actually a scene, I love this, of Jesus playing this ball game with the disciples. And guess what? Jesus is awful at it. He's awful. He just can't win. He can't play. And he winds up sitting out. But he's, he's laughing at it, right? And I think actually when the disciples asked this question, I don't think Jesus was like, oh my gosh. Like, I think he was smiling. I think he was smiling because Jesus likes questions. He likes questions. The problem is not the question. And, and, if, and if, saying, if we're saying that, hey, be like a child, accept things, don't question anything, you know, that we need to actually look at reality, right? 
Because when was the last time you met a child that didn't ask any questions? <laughs> why? Why is the sky blue? Why do we have to go here? And you're like, we have to go here because of this. Well, why do we have to do, like, questions all the time. Questions are good. Questions are, are good things to ask, to research them, to come to our own conclusions about who God is and who Jesus is and what our faith means. The questions are an avenue for us to grow and to deepen our relationship with God, that Jesus isn't shutting them down with his answer or saying, don't ask questions of faith. The problem, though, is it's not actually about being greatest. The problem that Jesus sees in their question is that they're trying to be greater than one another. It's not the question that's the problem. But the second thing that we're saying that, that about what does it mean to be like a child, it, it, it also does not mean, first, it doesn't mean don't question, but then it's not, it's not saying be childish either, be childish. Um, and, and so, you know, to be a grown-up person, becoming like a child would first suggest that you have grown up in the first place, right? Um, see, what the behavior Jesus is, is calling out in a way is, is that ranking, right? Trying to, you know, one-up the other person. That, that these are grown men, they're grown men, they're men, they have grown bodies, but they're being little boys on the inside. You know, you know people like that. Don't look at them. But, the, 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 you know, we know people, and you're probably one of them too. <laughs> um, but you think about it, so much of human behavior is essentially childish. A lot of our responses and our reactions are, are childish. We're selfish. We're desperate for attention. And security, if you don't want to just look on social media at any point. We're willing to take from others if it makes us feel better about ourselves. We're excited to be top dog on the playground. When we get angry or upset, we take our toys and go home and, and don't share them with anyone else. Uh, we want to argue that my dad's bigger than, my, than your dad. Or my mom will eat your mom for breakfast, right? It's true. We, that's how we act and respond, and that's kind of in, inside of our being. But Jesus is not saying that to be childish. There's a story I heard of a, a first-time parent who took to their child to a pediatrician uh, for a checkup, and the doctor looked over the child. Everything seemed to be going well, and the doctor told the parent, um, you have a very cute baby. And, of course, the, the parent was smiling with pride and said, yeah, I bet you say that to all the new parents. And the doctor said, no, no, I don't. I just say that to people whose babies are really good looking. And so the parent kind of questioned and was thinking, well, well, then what do you say to the others? And the doctor said, I say he looks just like you. <laughs> but, but isn't it true, like, like we want to be like, pat on the back, you're doing great, you're awesome. Like, you know, you might be like 65 years old, and you still look for that affirmation, that, that, that sense of, of you're okay. We want to be better. We want to be the hero. But also, I think it's important to show that, like, childish, though, being childish can also be a kind of passivity, of expectation, of, of not doing anything, of saying, well, I've got nothing to say, I've got nothing to bring, which on the surface can seem really Christian and really, really humble and it feels Christ-like, but it can actually be disobedient if God is calling you to use your agency. You know, under use or holding back what you have and not utilizing those, those gifts and what you have to share is also childish. That's also another side of it. But childish isn't the way of Jesus. See, elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about this. 
Writers um, tell Christians in 1 Corinthians 14 to stop thinking like children, Paul says. Be infants in evil, but think in your thinking be mature. He's, in that sense, he's saying don't be childish. You can be childlike without being childish. So he's not saying be childish. He's not saying don't question God. But he's also not saying never grow or change, that you should stay stunted. Being childlike doesn't mean never growing or changing and staying where you are. Um, one other um, uh, shows I loved, I loved as a kid, or actually a movie, was um, the movie Hook um, about Peter Pan growing up and Robin Williams. And, and I don't know, I just, I love that story. And maybe, maybe uh, you know the story of Peter Pan and the cartoon version or you know, some of the other versions that, that have come out. You know, it's about the story about this, the Peter Pan and the Lost Boys that are on this island and they never grow up, right? Well, I think some of us can get in Peter Pan syndrome, that we never grow up, that we never take authority or own our decisions or never make our own decisions. We, we let everybody else make them for us. Or that we're afraid to fail. We're afraid to try things because we might fail. We're afraid to love. We're afraid that we might get hurt or that somebody be unhappy with us or that we won't please them. You know, and this is another little side note, going back to our mental health series, this is why counseling is such a good thing. <laughs> that, that sometimes when we encounter those, those points of trauma in our lives, if you don't know this, it can stunt you at the age that you were when the trauma occurred. In, in your reactions, your mannerisms, um, that you might not continue to grow. You know, maybe if a parent left you, that sense of abandonment that you carry with you or, or neglect, you know, that you need to earn your way to be good with everyone or to be good with God. See, but, but Jesus is, is not saying don't grow or don't change. He's not saying, well, stay stunted. He doesn't mean that at all. So that brings us then to the question, you know, we just define what he's not saying to be childlike. What does that not mean? So what is he actually saying then when he says to be like a child? Well, I think one of the things to point out that when Jesus called that little child up, when he grabbed the kid off the street, he didn't probably grab them, but he called them up to him. I would guess probably, I'm just making this assumption here. This is not in the Bible, but I would guess it was probably a girl. It was probably a girl for the very reasons that I just alluded to earlier. To clarify the point that Jesus was wanting to show that the weakest, the most vulnerable, the most, you would say, invaluable human being of the time is where who would experience the kingdom of God. See, see, I think being like a child has a lot to do with three things, not expecting to be in control, not being surprised that you're small, and not being ashamed that you're limited. So, so let's walk through each of these. So first, not, don't expect to be in control. He's saying don't expect to be in control. Um, if you've ever watched any animal shows or um, been to the zoo, you know, maybe you've watched a, a live birth occur, or maybe if you have kids, you, know, you, you want to see the babies. Um, you know, it's interesting, baby giraffes, they can walk like, like minutes after they're born, right? They, they, they like pop out of mom, and they're like, boom, and they're like running around, right? Like baby horses, like the same thing. But isn't it true, kids can take years to be able to do anything at all for themselves? Can I get an amen from the parents? Yes, right? <laughs> so you have to drive them everywhere, you have to buy them things, and it's not good enough, like all that, all that kind of stuff. And it, it, when you think about like your own child, like it's really embarrassing, isn't it? Like human being, like you can't hardly do anything about it. Well, I think God wants us to approach him like that. God wants us to approach him like that. And for some of us, that completely rubs us the wrong way because we expect that we should be able to be self-sufficient, 
We should be able to control things and people. We should be able to know what's up ahead, be in charge of everything in our lives. And that's why when things happen, it, it, with that sense of control, you just want to hold on to it. Um, you know, and, and that's where, you know, for adults that, that sometimes we get too grown up, we get too grown up, we, we get to a place that we need to understand everything, absolutely, intellectually. Because you know why? That means that we're in control of it. We want to know everything. We want to understand everything. That there can't be an ounce of mystery or a sense of, of what God might be up to. And it's true because for trunks, uh, chunks of our lives can feel very in control. You know, I've experienced that. You've experienced that. Things are just going well, and you're confident in God. There's some little bumps in the road. You're confident in where you are and what you're doing. But, but don't expect to be in control is a key part of being, uh, becoming, becoming like a child. See, childlikeness is being unafraid to be powerless. Let me say that again. Childlikeness, to become like a child, means being unafraid to be powerless. Not being afraid of it. Not being afraid of the times that things are out of control and you're out of control. Not being afraid that, that being too adult-like is the opposite. Being unafraid to be powerful. <laughs> being unafraid to be powerful, that we think that we can be in control and be, be powerful. We got that down. See, but the negative side of, being, of adulting is adultishness, means the opposite of childlikeness, being afraid of powerlessness. That we're so afraid of being powerless, that, that we miss what God might be doing in our midst. See, being childlike means, in a sense, saying to God, I'm weak. I don't have it all together. And you know what that means? I need you. I need you. And I think that's, that's the power of, of worship, that's why, you know, those of us that, you know, we do this on a weekly basis, because when we worship, we're declaring, I'm unafraid to be powerless because of the power and the presence of God. I'm unafraid to be powerless. So I think that's the first part of what Jesus is saying when he says, be like a child. Don't expect to be in control. Be okay with being not in control, because that's what children do. But, but I think the other piece is that he's also saying, don't be surprised that you're small. Don't be surprised that you're small. Um, if you go to any amusement park, you know, Hershey Park fans, um, you always walk up to, like, the lines for the roller coasters, and, um, and even, like, outside the park, like, there's, there's those little height measurement things, right? I think we have a picture of an example of that. There's, like, the the Jolly Rancher and the Twizzlers height, you know, and usually, you know, the kids are always like, you know, do I reach up here? Do I, you know, it's just that little bit, and they're so excited when they go to that next place. You know, it's always the question, are you big enough? Am I big enough? You know, but I think that translates to, to adults, too, to us, that we want to be big. We want to make a name for ourselves. I call this enoughness. The enoughness for us can, can be something we chase after again and again and again. Um, I'm reading a really good book. I'm almost done it called um, Seculosity. It's very fascinating. It's about how um, in our world, you know, less and less people are going to church. And it's talking about how worship of all these other things is taking place that we haven't stopped worshiping. We've just directed it in different places and become religious in things like sports and work and family. And, 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 but the, the author of the book talks about over and over and over again that these directions are, are showing that we're constantly chasing after and showing and having, trying to get affirmation that we're enough that I have enough, that I'm good enough, 
that this enoughness, this validation that we chase in everything from work, achievement, sports, or even serving can become a sense of that. Am I doing enough to, to serve God? Am I doing enough to help other people? Um, but a child, a child's small. A child is enough in the minds of, of parents, grandparents, guardians. Uh, a child is small and enough only because of the relationship to the one who loves them. That's why they're enough. That's why they're enough. It's not because of what they're doing or even necessarily what they're not doing. It's an untouchable identity, not based on whether you're enough or whether you're big or, or not, that there's an untouchable identity that is not invested in, in whether you're big or whether you have it all together. It's knowing that you are God's. Nobody can touch that. Nothing can touch that. You are God's kid. Do not be surprised that you're small and embracing that. To say, I don't have to be enough and I'm never going to measure up to be enough. But that's enough to know that my heavenly father knows me and loves me and I have a relationship with him and that that will never, ever, ever change. So when Jesus is saying, be like a child, don't expect to be in control, don't be surprised that you're small. But I think the, the, the last point I want to get to today is he's also saying, you're limited. You're limited. You're a limited human being. You're a limited human being. And actually, if I really told you the truth, you're falling apart. So do, do me a favor, folks. Um, turn to your neighbor and tell them you're falling apart. And then turn, turn to the other person next to you and tell them, I have bad news, you're falling apart too. Right? You're limited. We're, we're limited human beings. You know, there's an assumption to, like, like you watch like TV or you're online, you see like ads that are like scrolling, you can't help like scroll through your phone and see. There, every ad is basically is telling you there's something wrong with you, right? Everything that, that you haven't figured out yet, how to keep your hair from falling out, how to make your kids good at math, you know, how to look 25 again, um, you know, and so they have the solution, just buy this product, you'll be like everyone else who somehow doesn't have to struggle with that human limitation, but I have secret, they do. We just laughed about it, right? We're all limited human beings. That's not a bad thing. That, but sometimes, right, we try to do everything. You know, God has a characteristic called omnipresence, that God is everywhere at the same time. That God is all the presence. Sometimes we like to think that we are too, and we're not. That, that human limitation says that we may have to prioritize and we may need to say no. You know, I'm reminded of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. You know, I think there was like an ad campaign going on there too um, from his adversary, from Satan, that, that was directing. But, but Jesus recognized his human limitation and he not only recognized it, he embraced it. He embraced it. That he refused to be ashamed of his humanity or his humanness. And that's what I, that's what I love about Jesus you know, and, and it's a strange experience of being a limited human being. I think it was an experience that we were comfortable with when we were children, to be reminded of. You know, when you're tired, you're right, you fought the nap. Maybe you have somebody that just never wanted to nap, right? Take a nap or the nap will overtake you when you're a child, falling asleep in lots of random places. You know, maybe some of you guys, you remembered that you only attempted to be Superman once. Think about that. You, you learned that lesson after the ER visit. Um, you know, and you weren't surprised that you couldn't solve all the problems. 
Uh, that would just remind you, you need to ask for help on the math problem. Think about those, the, the, the embracing to say, I'm limited. We weren't ashamed that we couldn't do everything ourselves. And recognizing that my neighbor, too, is limited. I'm limited in what I know about my friend. I'm limited in the situation that I'm in. I'm limited in, in knowing and them knowing about my past and what I might be reacting. We're limited human beings, and that's okay, Jesus is saying. That's okay. And so I think just the, the, the summary, really, of this, this first message in this series, kind of overarching theme here is that Jesus is saying that this is what greatness is like. To go and learn about it, to go and imitate it, because, because when you become like a child, you know what happens? You let God be king. God's king, not you. When you become like a child, you let God be king. Imagine the disciples and us, that we struggle to think that things that show weakness and vulnerability are things that we should probably be ashamed of. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. The case is that that's exactly where you encounter God because you recognize that you're not in control, but he is. The good news about being a child is to remember that we have had an experience before, those of us that are grown, and we can go back and do it again, but not just becoming childlike or getting nap time, but we can inherit those behaviors, those places to recognize that we're limited. So is my neighbor, that we're small, that we're not in control of everything, and we get tired, we run out of ideas, we get old, we get sick, and all those things are true. But it's about embracing that, because that's where God shows up. That we don't have to fight it. We can find God in it, and we can find his grace is sufficient in it. Because after all, he who is the greatest became the lowest, became a child for us, that we would be able to share in his kingdom forever, to see every single person that we encounter as someone who is limited but also loved just as we are. Well, I just want to close with a quick story that I heard um, about a couple who was traveling and they were um, at an airport and uh, you know, doing the airport things and all their bags and everything. And they were getting ready to board an airplane. But of course, there were people getting off of the airplane that, was, that had just come that they were going to get on. And they were sitting right by where like, the flight attendants are and the little desk that they usually have. And um, if you've ever served the airline, ministry, uh, airline industry, um, you probably know this. But flight attendants, when a plane arrives, always ask one another. And they want to make clear. They ask the question, are there any specials? Are there any specials when a plane arrives? And what they're asking is, it means, are there any wheelchairs? Are there any sick people on board? Are there any families with babies? Are there any unaccompanied minors needing assistance? So uh, besides, basically, they're saying all the people who are going to file off with their roller suitcases and backpacks and water bottles, they're asking, is there anybody that's going to need some extra attention? And normally... Normally, the response to that, like a little over the radio or walkie-talkie, is the person on board lists two or three names and situations and what their needs are. But um, this couple, they were listening to the answer that time, and this situation was different. Because when they asked, when it was asked, are there any specials, instead of the normal response, the stewardess said, yes, yes, every single one of them. So Jesus 
Whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. May it be so today. Let's pray.